Designed by Wingnut Social is brought to you by Wingnut Social, the leading interior design and home pro digital marketing agency. We know it works so you don't have to. Learn more at wingnutsocial.com. Hey, Darla here, and I have a question for you. What would it mean to your bottom line for your interior design firm if you could sign just one client from your Instagram marketing efforts? Is it 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000 and up? Well, if you're a principal of your interior design firm and you're overwhelmed with your Instagram marketing, you have no idea how to do, what to do, when to post, what to post, what hashtags to use, how to use ads, that the whole gamut, it's incredibly overwhelming, then I want to introduce you to Instagram for interior designers. It's Wingnut Social's very first online on-demand course with over seven modules, 61 lessons that's going to answer all of those questions for you and help you to put together a very actionable marketing strategy for your interior design firm tailored to you with workbooks and exercises and just just everything you could possibly need there. To find out more information on Instagram for interior designers, head on over to wingnutsocial.com, check out Wingnut Academy, or you can go to wingnutsocial.com slash Instagram for interior designers. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your design business? Then welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social helping home professionals accelerate their success with proven industry practices and expert advice. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Designed by Wingnut Social. I'm Nicole. I'm the producer of this podcast, and we have a super interesting episode for you today with Katie Decker Erickson of Colorworks. Katie is an expert in ontological design and color theory, which is basically the concept that colors and designs can impact the way we feel and the way we approach our everyday life. One example of this that I think is super interesting is apparently the color red can signal something to your brain that makes you feel hungry. So when you're driving down the highway and you see all these different fast food restaurants and the logos are red, that might be why. Another example that Katie talks about in the episode is when you go to the doctors or I guess more specifically the pediatrician, usually you're going to see kind of like cute, relaxing art like bunnies and meadows and maybe pastels or just things that are going to make you feel more like peaceful, safe, comfortable. So this type of design is actually really intentional. And Katie is an expert on this. So before we dive into the episode, let me tell you a little bit more about Katie. She began Colorworks in 2007 to combine her love of color and beautiful design with her business savvy and the experience she gained while earning her MBA and certification from the International Association of Color Consultants and Designers. The result is a process-driven design firm that emphasizes your ROI just as much as it does choosing the right color. What began as a part-time endeavor is now a multi-million dollar business born of smart and intentional growth. So Wingnuts, I hope you love this episode as much as we did. Without further ado, please help us welcome Katie Decker Erickson to the show. Hey there, Katie Decker Erickson. How the hell are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Darla. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here. And we're talking today about a subject that I haven't talked about in a long, long time. And we're talking about niching into being a color theory expert. <laughs> Am I saying that right? And, I love uh, how reticent you are even in the title. Yeah, like, is that a thing? <laughs> That's a thing. That is a thing. So something you said in your intake Katie Decker Erickson. We'll call you Katie. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to let that go. You can just call me Katie. <laughs> call me Katie. Katie. I only am used to my full name when it comes from my mother. And like, 
like remembering <laughs> back to my childhood when I was in trouble. And like, it's supposed to be a beautiful thing, your full name. And then it's like, no, no, what did I do wrong? So so if, if I want to scold you, I'll use your full name. Got it. For sure. <laughs> so when we vet guests for the show, right, we have podcast pitch and stuff. And you put something mm. super interesting in your, your topic. And you mentioned ontological say that 10 times, design and color theory. That, that is something that you specialize in at your interior design firm, ColorWorks, right? Yes. First of all, yes. um, for the uninitiated, and I am one of those, what the hell is ontological design? So yes, it's a very heady, sophisticated term, right? But it's really practical. It's something I think a lot of designers do innately, but when you think about it from an intentional standpoint, you really have the chance to elevate it. The whole idea is that we don't just design spaces, spaces design us back. And it's this feedback loop of us stepping into a space and feeling changed, and then that space then changing the outputs we put into the world, and it just becomes... I don't want to say a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's definitely a feedback loop that takes place. And so we're not just creating spaces, we're creating or things that are beautiful or that we'd love to see in magazines, but we're doing so with the understanding that humans are impressionable, impressionable. We are filled with water. Um, We are changing, ever-evolving human beings. And when we step into environments, those environments do change us in some way. So that can manifest through Art, we talk about the healing power of art. This is why when you go to your doctor's office, you're probably not going to see something really scary on the wall. Instead, hopefully nothing really scary on the wall, Um, but you will see meadows and trees and forests and bunnies in the pediatric area. And all of that is done with the intentionality of nature calms. We know nature calms people. So it's doing that, but doing it um, in across a broad spectrum of design, not just the art, but with color, with all of these other components. So that when you leave the space, we're getting the desired effect, not in a manipulative way necessarily, but we're taking into account the human component of these places we're creating. Is it similar or is it the same as biophilic design or how do, how is it different if not? Yeah, it is similar than that. It doesn't operate in isolation, though, for sure. It crosses a bunch of modalities. So it's the idea that it doesn't operate in just a vacuum. For instance, you think of like OXO kitchen gadgets. Those are designed in a very human-centric way, very very biophilic in in many ways. Um, But it is also the idea that the impacts are not just what comes in and impacts us, but what we put back out then. So have you ever like gone into a space and been incredibly inspired, or maybe you've gone on a vacation and you've seen something really incredible or amazing that has changed you. And then when you come back and redesign a space as a designer, or you step into that space, you look at it differently than you did before the vacation. That's the idea of ontological. Now that loop has been changed by the inputs in it to what you're now outputting. I see. So I'm looking up the definition of ontological, and you're right. It is kind of like a highbrow, kind of touchy-feely kind of thing. So it says dictionary.com, I guess this is. Ontological means relating to the branch of metaphysics, dealing with the nature of being. Wow, that's heady. That is heady. It is heady stuff. It's very heady stuff. (laughs) It says showing the relations between the concepts and categories in a subject, area, or domain. Okay, cool. That is very interesting. So, Katie, how is this manifesting in your firm when you're designing a space, when clients are coming to you and you're you're putting out into the world that this is one of your specialties, ontological design and color theory? 
how, how, what does this look like when you're engaging with potential clients, potential clients coming to you? How are they understanding this? Yeah, great question. Um, a lot of times it's not I think it comes out in the manifested prod product. It's not even that the client necessarily wants to have the heady conversation, which I'm really glad you do, because this is the stuff that makes us really happy and shows us the intentionality behind the end result, right? But it's really understanding who's going to be using this product at the end of the day and how do we elevate their lifestyles. So in our firm, 80% of what we do um, tends to be well, I wouldn't say 80%. It's a combination, but we do demographics or properties that are going to serve a broad range of people. So whether that's multifamily or foundations or universities, or just depending on the day, residential, it varies. The way we use this in a very specific way is saying, how can we elevate the end user's life? from the moment they step into that space to when they leave. One thing we've seen over, especially in the last year with inflation, is interest rates go through the roof. We know a yeah. lot of people are not going to be able to afford to buy houses, um, or the houses that they buy are going to be smaller, or they're going to be remodels, right, that need an immense amount of work because that's what the budget allowed for. So in coming into that space, we're saying, how do we elevate these spaces in a way that elevates these people's lives, especially for people who can't afford to buy and might be more in the multifamily world, but where they can bring the babies home, do the baby showers, um, have their bridal showers, live their lives in a meaningful and significant way without feeling like, oh, I'm in an apartment or oh, this wasn't my dream home. It was just what I could afford or right. uh, anything along that line. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that as we watch the economy. And that starts to really hit people in their pocketbooks in a lot of way, uh, ways. And so just saying, how do we get you the look that you're looking for that also elevates your life, elevates your memories of this space and this time in it? So is this something that you're using at ColorWorks as a, a positioning statement, as a differentiator in your, your marketing, or is this just an internal mission for ColorWorks? No, but we should You know be. what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is an internal thing. And it's, it is something that we talk with. We do talk with our clients about it, especially um, when we're talking to new clients and just saying, hey, like we don't just design to get you a look. What is the soup du jour? Like whether it's farmhouse, which... I'm ready to say goodbye to farmhouse. We haven't specified so farmhouse in a while. I was never ready to say hello. I know. Did you see though? There was an article in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago about farmhouses here to stay. And I just, my heart oh. just kind of wilted. <laughs> and I was mm. like, really? It's really here. But like, I'm not ready to do that. Isn't that one of the seven horsemen of the apocalypse that farmhouse is here to stay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in Revelations, yes, I, isn't it? I... <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 12, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> if not, it should be. <laughs> and lo and That's behold, so the ship lap was everywhere. Yeah. Even um, though there's no water or ships nearby, it's the darndest <laughs> thing. We have ship lap, ship lap for everybody. You're in the middle of nowhere. You need yourself some ship lap. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't, oh, can't live without it. I'm so, sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted yeah. you with silliness. No, it's a great <laughs> tangent because it's one of my pet peeves. I'm like, you don't have water in 100 miles beyond what comes out of your tap. Do you really need shiplap? Is this a wise decision? Um, but it's like, oh, I call it Pinterest boarditis, where it's just like, but I saw it on Pinterest and I want it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, but all that put together doesn't always yield a plausible <laughs> result. Like, 
Cohesion is the word we are missing in this entire conversation. It all looks cute when it's the size of a postage stamp on your telephone at 2 a.m. when you have insomnia. But yeah. when we roll it into the grander scheme, yeah. Um, but no, it is something that we do talk to clients about is the idea of creating elevated mm-hmm. spaces, regardless of the budget, too. I think sometimes you think an elevated space and you're like, oh, we have to break the bank to get an elevated space. I mean, that's where we mm-hmm. really talk about color theory. Like you can paint a wall bright yellow and have it look tacky and straight out of a circus, or you can paint it something really beautiful and sophisticated. And all of a sudden the wall completely changes the presence, how you feel in the space. Um, and I love that mm-hmm. you wanted to marry up these two concepts. But that's something we do talk to clients about is like, yes, there's budgets and there's budget limitations, but it's also how are we using that budget to creating a la- create a lasting impact on whoever's entering that space? Well, the reason I asked you about um, if you are marketing ColorWorks with this as a as a niche, as a specialty, like particularly in your messaging and your wording on whether for search engine mm-hmm. optimization or is because their clients yeah. are specifically looking for this heady, you know, touchy-feely, human-based, organic, biophilic, all of the things kind of interior Mm -hmm. design service, Uh, because that is, you know, all interior designers, you know, we all make rooms pretty and functional, uh, ideally. So to find a differentiator that makes you stand out from your competition or from other designers, rising tide lifts all boats. I understand digital marketing is (laughs) different. Don't send me nasty (laughs) emails. Uh, You know, that's a really strong, that's a really strong differentiator and positioning statement for you. So which brings me to, if you, you know, our audience is mostly interior designers. If there are interior designers out there who are saying, man, this sounds really good. I, I do design in this way. That That is mm. the big picture, the mm. mission statement for an interior design firm. Or if you're an interior designer saying, I would love to design in this way, how do you, yep. is there training? Is there certification? Is this just coming from interior design school? How does one wrap their head around it professionally? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think there's still a lot of room for study in the space of design itself, because the whole idea of ontological is that it cr- runs across a broad section of modalities. Um, teasing out each one is becoming more and more of a specialty. I don't even know that there's a certification on it. It's more something that has captivated me. There's books that have been written about it, and I'm happy to share um, a hyperlink with your viewers and, and audience. Um, there, it's interesting if you like chat GPT it, you'll get bits and pieces of it, but it's okay. not the cumulative story because the cumulative story on this has not yet been written. Um, I think it's a really neat opportunity point for study and for future study as this specifically pertains to design. Like we know we love different textures, right? We love the feel and the look and the whatever. That's feeding all of that need for beauty and impression within us and changing entirely how we go out into the world and look at things, but to scientifically quantify that or say there's a designated certification for that, I don't know that that yet exists. I was going to say, you beat me to my next question was, is there a quantifiable you know, aspect of this form of design or is it just, you know innate, yeah. intuitive, you're responding with the human spirit of beauty and function? I think yes and yes. I think it's going to become very quantifiable. There, I mean, you ever walk into a space and it just feels so off to you and it's deeply disconcerting yes. um, or you walk into a space and it's deeply calming. The one story that I love to share much to my husband's complete and utter chagrin, there's a beautiful Japanese artist called um, Yayoi Kusama and she uses 
light in a very imaginative way. She has LED strands that dangle down and does mirrors. And we went to the Phoenix Art Museum about two years ago, or it would have been last year. And walking in, it's like walking into this room Spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear and you want to go see it or you want to go find her work, press pause. (laughs) This isn't for you. But you walk in and it's completely dark and it's all mirrors, including the floor and the ceiling, which is very disarming. And all the LED strands hang down in different colors and you walk through them and they brush against your body. And it feels like you're floating in time and space. Wow. And I walked in and my kids walked in and we just thought it was magic. My husband walked in and walked out and he was crying. And my husband oh. does not cry. I saw him cry the day our firstborn or our daughter was born. Um, but that was it. Like he's not a crier. And he walked out and he's like, that was deeply unsettling. And he's also like a type A firstborn control freak. So I feel like, and I would tell that to him lovingly, <laughs> he's a planner. That's <laughs> what he gets paid to do. And I think for him standing on a, like almost like a floating glass surface with all the reflection and really having no sense of space or where a wall is, you're just standing there and it feels completely limitless, was just literally undoing. And uh-huh. I think as we have more of these experiences and as we walk into these spaces and we think more of how we're walking out of these spaces, it's going to in- continue to increase our desire to learn and grow and know in this field. There's been a lot of research done on art as it pertains to healing. And we know that art has the power to heal. Um, This is why I think public art, this is why we love procuring public art as a firm and why we specifically talk about procuring art as a firm, because we know that art can heal and change people in a very significant way. It can lower blood pressure, which kind of starts getting into the color theory portion of it. Um, But we know that all of this impacts us, whether we want to admit it or not in the case of my husband until he's crying outside of the exhibit for a minute. They're like, dad, you have yeah. tears in your eyes. It's like, no, no, I don't. Fine. I'm like, eh, it's you're allergies. Not fine. but yeah, darn allergies every time for the win in February in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like it does, it does end up impacting us. And I think too, with the whole AI revolution and we're seeing chat GPT and we're seeing all these things, we're seeing what, you know, Dolly can create the chat GPT art component of it. It's going to be fascinating because the one thing, well, it can create feelings it doesn't feel yet that we know, right? And so I think this is where we can differentiate. I was going to say, speaking of when you walk into a room and you just kind of, you know, if it's disconcerting or something, some of the art that I see that is created by AI leaves me with that feeling. It Mm -hmm. just, there's just something Mm -hmm. about it that just, it, 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 Gives mm-hmm. me that unsettling kind of feeling. Also, any rooms that are red. Yeah. <laughs> I am so I with you why. on red. Yeah. Red, red is we know mm-hmm. the color red to be a heartbeat elevator. Mm. It elevates everything. So blood pressure, heart rate, appetite, which is why your favorite Asian restaurant or many right. of your favorite restaurants will have a yep. red wall. They want you to order that appetizer. That's very intentional. Mm. Um, but yes, you are not alone in that. Um, an all red room is very uncomfortable. Like a red door back in the day was acceptable, but beyond that, I feel you. 
Yeah. And I think even just that statement, I feel you, we're going to start seeing, I think more and more and more of that we, as, as women come into what have historically been um, men's jobs, even in construction, as we start Mm -hmm. seeing more and more AI coming in and us pushing back on that with the human component, I just see the human component becoming more and more and more relevant and the emotional Mm -hmm. component as well. I see it becoming more valuable too, because the the human, excuse me, the human component is going to be uh, an asset, you know, it's going to be what sort I'm looking for differentiator, really? Yeah, uh, for sure. Because you're we're going to be overwhelmed with all this, this half, you know, marginal AI, that's, you know, whatever, you know, blah, 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 word salad. And I think the human component is really going to be a differentiator. That being said, you don't want to be blockbuster. It'd be a good idea to learn some AI, what's available to you in order to use that as a tool, but not as an end-all be-all. And speaking of color, right? So the second piece of this is the color theory portion. So Mm, are these two separate pieces? Is that Can color theory exist Mm. as a design service, as something you're using in your projects without the the ontological piece or is this just a one-shot deal? No, I think they really complement each other. That's a great question. Um, I think (laughs) color theory has been around a lot longer. That's what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm certified through the International Association of Color Consultants and Designers. I'm an accredited member of theirs. We have, we have the metrics. I think if we, but that's one facet of design, right? It's the most important. I love this quote and I have to share this quote with your audience because it's like absolutely one of my favorites that I think sets the stage um, for this conversation. Light is the first element of design. Without it, there is no color, form, or texture. And Mm -hmm. and Thomas Farron said that, and I love that quote. And I think we're going to see that as ontological design. We're going to start incorporating the form, the texture, and all of these other components to create a comprehensive impact on people that will then hopefully be able to be measured where we dive into each of those elements to really create something special. Um, But yeah, color theory has been around for a really, really long time. I feel like it's been studied extensively and now it's extrapolating that to an entire experience. Are you an interior designer looking to expand your reach and attract more clients? Well, we've got just the solution for you. Wingnut Social is the leading social media marketing agency designed exclusively for interior designers. Picture this, your stunning designs showcased to a vast online audience, generating buzz and capturing the attention of potential clients. With Wingnut Social, you can transform your social media presence into a powerful marketing tool. Wingnut Social understands the unique challenges faced by interior designers when it comes to social media marketing. That's why they've created a comprehensive strategy tailored specifically to your needs. With Wingnut Social, you'll have access to expertly crafted content strategies, custom tailored for the interior design industry. Say goodbye to those days of staring blankly at your screen, wondering what to post next. Wingnut Social takes care of that for you, ensuring your posts are engaging, relevant, and captivating. But it doesn't stop there. Wingnut Social also provides in-depth analytics, allowing you to track the performance of your social media campaigns. Discover which posts are resonating with your audience, identify new trends, and make data-driven decisions to maximize your marketing efforts. And the best part? Wingnut Social offers personalized coaching and support. Our team of social media experts will guide you every step of the way, sharing insider tips and tricks to elevate your brand and increase your online visibility. So why wait? Take your interior design business to new heights with Wingnut Social. Visit wingnutsocial.com today to learn more. Wingnut Social, where stunning designs meet social media success. Now that I am seeing 
like really like in your face on your services. I'm looking at your ColorWorks website if you're watching on our YouTube channel designed by Wingnut mm. Social. Paint color consultation is yeah. a service that you offer or color consultations, custom color videos. So that is something that really is standing out more so than the ontological buzzword keyword or whatever synonym you want to use for that right there. So um, how is it that clients are finding you for that service? And what is it that they're looking for specifically? And I'm asking because if an interior designer is not offering this service, it seems like a pretty valuable, valuable service to offer, especially if someone to get you top of mind, if someone wants to do a larger project later or something, have you found that that's happening for you? Is it worth it? It is. I mean, I think it's, okay. it's very worth it. And, you know, you look at other countries like Canada and Europe um, okay. and other trends and this every single homeowner individual, I shouldn't say every single, but the vast majority, it's standard protocol that you would hire a colorist before you would paint your house. You would not just go down to Lowe's. You don't just go down to Home Depot and like pick what you think to be the best color. You would actually have a colorist come in and specify, and then you would have it painted. Ironically, we don't do that in the United States, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there is an opportunity for coloration for sure. Just like there's lighting experts, there's every cabinet experts, you can get your kitchen and bath certification. All of these things are differentiators from a business perspective. Anytime you can differentiate yourself as a business. Awesome. Do it. Because like you said, there's a kajillion designers out there. What sets you apart? And it may not even be just a certification or, Oh, we do color. Oh, we do lighting really well. Or, Oh, we do this, but just knowing who you are and remaining true to your brand. I think that can be invaluable. And for us that, yes, that is absolutely color. Um, we love color. It's what our clients most often come to us for, uh, especially starting just because they're trying to get their arms around it. It's the one aspect of design. If you say, let's discuss your trusses, are those a scissor truss or is that a, and they're like, what? But color is something everyone struggles with. Right. And they're like, Oh, what do I do? But there's and arguably in design color, especially paint color, takes up more space of design than anything else, especially when you include the ceilings. So getting that right is invaluable. But yeah, I would say knowing what your expertise is and sticking to it, man, and doing so unapologetically, mm-hmm. it's not getting better at the things you struggle with. It's knowing who you are and what you're good at and running with that full bore. Yeah, 100%. And then delegating the stuff that's outside of your scope of genius. So what would you say to the interior the interior designer who's listening in the audience says, yeah, I'm pretty good at picking out colors. You know, I, I pick really good colors. The homes are pretty. I'm, I'm yeah. good to go there because I know yeah. from interviewing guests and, and seeing on the yeah. Facebook groups and stuff that color theory, actually getting certified like you are or learning it, it's a whole other animal than just putting color, you know, warm tones together, <laughs> cold tones together, cool tones together. Yeah. What would you yeah. say to interior designers like, yeah, I don't really need that. I'm already great at picking out colors. Yeah. And you know what? I don't want to take away from that either because there are Mm -hmm. people that have a very good natural eye. I think this is the ability to take and really fine tune that if you are one of those people. It Mm -hmm. also makes you more marketable to your clients. I would say go find, there's a bunch of certifying entities. I'm not a fan of the vast majority of them, um, to be honest with you, because they don't hold the credence of the International Association of Color Consultants and Designers, the IACC. That is, they, there's the North America chapter. They're all over the world. It is the, to me, the most credible. So if you go Google, become a color consultant, you will have 
10 billion entries. <laughs> and I will just save you the effort of sorting through them because <laughs> there's a truckload <laughs> of them. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of them that are like, um, like I have my certification, so I decided to create a course for certification. So now you can become certified too. It is a certification. I don't want to take away from the designers that have gone and done that. I'm all for women, anyone who's willing to hang out their shingle and be an entrepreneur, I will support. But sure. um, I will say as far as credibility, the International Association of Color Consultants and Designers to me is where it is at. And go get your certification. Yeah, take it to the next level. Do it. Yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes for that too. Nicole, our amazing producer, Nicole Lyons, will Google that <laughs> and put yes, that link in the show notes. For, you. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And also, I mean, I think that it would be terrifically empowering to not only pick mm. out colors, but to pick out colors that have that psychological or spiritual, if you want to get woo-woo effect on your clients. Maybe you have a special needs child that needs more soothing mm. colors or you in a room for a specific purpose and if you paint it the wrong color and that's their reading room or their office or and then they they'll we don't want them to feel icky so i think that that definitely gives you an extra piece there to work with as a differentiator and to just help you with your continuing education your knowledge as an interior designer to make your clients lives better i love it yeah i totally agree with you it always floors us when um especially back when we did a lot more residential uh, the nursery i want the nursery yellow Yellow is a very stimulating color. I promise mm -hmm. you the last thing you want to put your baby in is a yellow nursery. <laughs> like you will hate yourself as a parent. <laughs> that is not a good idea. You put a baby in a yellow nursery, they're like, playtime, let's go. Um, and so just things like that. Yeah, understanding the context of the space. I mean, we talk about a spa palette a lot of times in design, right? Mm. The greens, the blues, the yeah. chocolates, the... Yeah. And even just how we sequence color, like we, a lot of what we do with color sequencing is based on nature. Like you look at nature, the dirt is black. By the time you get to the clouds, they're white. So it always feels odd. Hmm. This is why you don't see black ceilings. We are used to operating in a fashion that is very similar to the environment in which we live. And so if someone paints a ceiling brown or black or brown, you all of a sudden feel this oppression and this weight pushing down. Because there are not black clouds in the sky. There's a reason why so many ceilings are white. And it's very subliminal. But once again, it's one of those facets of ontological design where when you start feeling like something is off here, there's usually a reason why. And it also does go back to the natural component. Um, and you can really draw the parallel between the two. But you even look at shading and hues. You go from the black dirt into the greens and then into the yellows, right, of like, say, a flower. And then you end up in the into that blue sky. And the way that you're moving up through that, look at how you design. I bet you will find remarkable similarities when you start with, say, a darker wood floor. And then you have those, <laughs> say, green walls. And then you start throwing that, like, cognac, orange tone, leather couch in there. And you work your way up to that white ceiling. And all of a sudden, that space makes you go, <sighs> And that's <laughs> nice. very palpable as to why. Yeah. That is very, I love that explanation. I have never heard that before. And it's intuitive. And I... A lot of us design that way, but now we know why. Sure. Now you know the why. Yeah. Walk yeah. outside and look up at the sky and you'll understand. And that goes back to ontological design. When you're out in nature and that's influencing you, you go back and your outputs are then changed 
into how the design you create, just like where we started the conversation with a vacation. You go back, maybe you've been in Hawaii. I guarantee you the colors you choose when you come back from being in a tropical location are probably going to have more greens and blues in them, maybe more vivid <laughs> pinks. I see it in my own design. I'm like, oh, I chose that after that vacation. That's good to know <laughs> because I know I've been impacted. <laughs> We were just talking in the in the wingnut social chat room for myself and my team about Prague yeah. and going to Prague. So I can mm -hmm. imagine if you went there, your architecture and your designs might be influenced for a little bit, <laughs> for sure. I've never been. I'd love to go. Oh, yeah, for a hot minute. Well, I think, too, knowing who you're designing for um, and the culture of color is so powerful to talk about because, you know, we view white as a very purest color um, and something lovely in our culture. But in other cultures, white is seen as a sign of mourning, not black. And so understanding oh. the cultural framework of color is also extremely relevant. Like, yes, you can have a good eye, but do you understand what your end user is going to perceive as that color having, what meaning is assigned to that color in their culture? And it may be very different from ours as our world becomes a much smaller place and people live all over the world um, and their backgrounds are entirely different. And I think teasing that out and really understanding you're designing a space that to them feels good, which may feel very different than it does to you, is the key facet as well. I love that. That's crazy. That's a, another insightful thought. That's something that hadn't occurred to me. So thank you for that elucidation. Yeah, my pleasure. This is my happy place. I no, I love to share it with anyone who will listen. And I think too, you know, it just comes back to like, these are all the elements of color theory that we've had the basis for. It'll be interesting to see how the ontological component of that begins to play out as we tie in these textures and we tie in other, all these other modalities we use as designers into a comprehensive package that really um, hopefully changes the environment for the better. I love it. I think this is my favorite thing about decorating and design is the the science behind the beauty, the magic of it, that really mm. is a visceral, leaves a visceral impact on us emotionally, spiritually, just, you know, psychologically. I, I love it. I, I, I think that we hold a lot of power <laughs> in our ability oh, to that. affect lives with design, which sounds maybe a little bit, you know, self-aggrandizing or, or whatever, but it's, no. it's true. We make a huge difference in people when we do this and we do this right. So I appreciate the insight. Katie Decker Erickson, is there anything I've forgotten to ask you on the subject that you think the audience needs to hear before we get into the fire round? No, I appreciate the conversation. I think it's Same. a great conversation to be able to have. And I really appreciate what you just shared because I think it's really easy to think, oh, it's doctors and nurses saving lives and changing people and psychologists and whatever. And in many ways, we have the power to do a lot of the same things. Um, through what we do in a very strategic way. And some may see it as she, she and foo-foo, but the reality <laughs> is we can very much change people's lives and change their memories of what happened to them in that space um, and help create very special moments. And that is exceptionally empowering to me. Um, I yeah. thank you so much for this time. This is no, of course I love it. And you know, before we get into the fire round, I just remembered something I wanted to say, but I got sidetracked with oh, my yeah. antibiotic brain. Never that, happens to me <laughs> without antibiotics. I'm, well, my nickname is Wingnut for a reason. I have like severe ADHD. But uh, when you were talking about the Love quote it. with uh, color and texture and it does not exist without light, that that's science, right? Because when we see things, it's 100%. light bouncing off the objects into our brain. And that's how we're perceiving object, shape, color, etc. I was reading... I, I love to go read Reddit and uh, I'm yes. a huge like UFO, like conspiracy kind of person. I was reading a thread and a guy was claiming, oh, I spoke to this alien and he said he could touch something and see its color. 
through touch. And I was like, science, that's not true. That was fake. That was fake. (laughs) Not going to happen today. Not Not going to happen. happen. That's not how color works. Sorry, you're a phony, sir. (laughs) No, you love. Yeah, we do get all ideas on Reddit for sure. Yeah, some discretion (laughs) is needed. But there is there is an interesting field of study of people who see the world through color. So if I give them a name or a number, Mm -hmm. they will have a strong color sensory impact in their head. Does this happen to you? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent names I see in color numbers. I see in color all the time, ever since I was little. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? And you probably thought you were nuts when you were a kid. And now like, if I say the number seven to you, like what, what populates in your head? Green. Green. That's so funny. What number feels the worst to you? Uh, six. That's kind of like a really, really black, dark brown, black for me. Six. Yeah. Eights are yeah. red. Nine are nine is kind of like an orangey yellow. Ten is yellow. Yellow. <laughs> yellow, <laughs> you know yellow, yellow. Yeah. You know what I think yeah. though? I, I this is a theory yeah. that I have. I'm not to dismiss any anything that we're talking about here, but when I was little, I used to have those like little numbers and color sets that kids play with. Oh <laughs> yes. So yes, maybe so they that's try to a, get you to learn your colors and numbers at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a thing, but names to me are, are colors also. So I don't know if that's related. Okay. But so I have I, to ask now, mm-hmm. what did my name, what color did you get? <laughs> uh, Katie's blue, Decker's green, Erickson is also blue. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So it's funny <laughs> when we talk about color, there's also a field of study as it pertains to the environment um, and colors aligning with like wood, water, fire, all of those components and all of those that I have done never come back as fire. It's all wood and water and really? all the greens and all the blues. And that's funny. You're in the same. That's why I had to ask. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> fascinating. And it, yeah, it's going to just be interesting as we add more and more science to what we intuitively know. And I feel like that's just a lot of life and see this um, start to evolve and change and like have actual definitions and details applied to it. Yeah. I I mean, it's really super interesting. It might not be the little kid letters and numbers, but it could be something else. But it's something I've been plagued with my whole life. (laughs) The fact that it goes beyond numbers lets me think that it is like way more innate in you, that it's names, that it's people. Do you get it with places? Uh, No, not that I I don't think so. No, not places. It's just Mm -mm. more people and like more Mm -hmm. names and like actual letters and numbers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Oh, that's why you're so great at what you do. Yeah, it, it really well, is a need for you. Thank you. Yeah. Or I might be crazy, but thank you for thank you for no, being sweet. You're not crazy. This is a whole field of study. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, well, well underway. <laughs> on that note, Katie Decker Erickson. Speaking of crazy, are you ready for the what up wing nut round? I don't know. I'm yes. I'm gonna take a deep breath. Go to my happy zen place. Let's do it. There you go. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Get it done. Love it. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food forever. What is it? Warm bread with a really good salted or herbed butter. I can get down with that. That is really, really good choice. Last but not least, please recommend a book that's impacted you either personally or professionally. The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. Good one. Really good one. I love that book. I mean... Game changer. Do I work more than four hours? Yes. <laughs> do I work four times no. about 10 over here or 15? How about you, Darla? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't work 40. I mean, do I? I kind of do if you count the emails and the chats and the reviewing content and doing all that. But I don't think so. I don't think I yeah. work 40, even with the podcast. So I kind of took some of that dart. If I could get it to four and just do the podcast, I would 100%. 
Yeah, without a doubt. We'd all be great with that, actually. Yeah, I think we all <laughs> would. How about zero? Can us. we get it to zero? <laughs> zero? Oh, I don't know. Yes, and people right now, they're ready to just say AI is going to get us there. I'm not convinced. <sighs> yeah, I don't know about but, that. All right, Katie yeah. Decker Erickson, please tell the audience where they can go to find out more about you, more about Colorworks and all of this awesome soft stuff, and we'll call it a day. I love it. Please join us at colorworks.design for websites. And what we do as a firm and colorworks.coach if you're interested in having more of these conversations or seeing how we can help you grow your business. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Katie. You've been great. Thank you, Darla. Have a great one. Thank you again to Katie for coming on the podcast. What an interesting episode, right? I mean, there's so many things in this that I learned and never heard of. I definitely didn't expect that we dive into UFOs and Reddit on this podcast. But nonetheless, Katie, thank you so much. Um, I hope you all loved this episode. And we'll be back next week with the mini news on Monday and another interview on Wednesday. Thanks again. And as Darla says, get out there, get uncomfortable and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 786-206-4331 to see how we can help take your business from meh to amazing. We'll see you on the next episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, your digital marketing tightly fastened. Okay, hold on. I'm looking up the definition for ontological. Do it. <laughs> definition yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely do. But uh, let me quick grab it. You may need to edit this part really quick. Totally. That's always my music on hold. Katie Decker Erickson. Is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you? Let me start that. We have a little bit of a delay. Good boy, Mango.